Look at my butt. Show number one eighty four of Look at His Butt. Lt and Jk talk track. Welcome back, butt fans. Welcome back, and welcome to um, the twenty third century love boat. <laughs> We just watched an episode of the animated series together, mm-hmm. which was um, fun, fun, yeah. fun in its own way. First, though, we got to watch the gratuitous shoulder roll in the very first episode. Yes, which that was well worth it. It was good. Because um, it enabled Kirk to dodge um, some sort of energy beam. beam. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. So that, that was good. So then we watched an episode called The Lorelei Signal. Um, and this was in... Um, it was like the fourth or fifth one that they broadcast. And the story is that um, they get summoned to a planet, and there's only women on the planet, and it turns out that um, once the, the all-male landing party is down there, they get captured, and then their life force gets drained. To keep the women to alive. To keep the women alive. And so the only people who are at all sensible about this are Uhura and Chapel back on the ship. So and, and the rest of the female and crew. the rest of the female crew. So Uhura takes control, and she assumes command of the Enterprise, which is pretty darn cool. Right. Now, the big disappointment to me in this was we never got to see Uhura in the big chair. Yes. I wanted to see her sitting in the big chair. I did, too. Because she needs to sit in the big but, chair. But um, the women did not hear this signal. Yep. The men all went into these masturbatory fantasies mm-hmm. as much as they could do in an animated cartoon mm-hmm. back then. Um, and in a lot of ways, it was a lot like the Brain and Brain episode. It was, yes. And uh, the, the good thing was, unlike you know many TOS episodes where they were really working to fill that hour, so they had blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 this is only a half hour long. Yeah. And it is the original actors doing the voices. So, you know, that, that lent, uh, I guess, a certain reality to it yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, kind of moves it along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, like we were talking before in, in a previous episode about how some people consider it canon, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I meant to mention at that time, but they asked David Gerald this question and, and DC Fontana as well, and they said, look, it's the original writers, it's the original cast, mm-hmm. it's something that Gene Roddenberry wanted to do. And he was executive producer he's, on he's this. He's executive producer, so, you know, it's as much canon as it could possibly be, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's all the same people who are doing it. It's William Shatner as Captain Kirk. How yeah. is that not canon? Yeah. You know? So, um, and then there were things from the animated series that carried over into other stuff. Oh, so the way it ends is that... Um, or Hora, <laughs> that's Jack the podcasting dog. Yeah. Wants to play. Um, or Hora gets really tough with them. Actually, that was great when she went down there. Unlike some other times, she just goes down and says, tell us where they are, and they don't. And so she says, all right, shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the all-female security crew just stuns everybody. Yeah, enough, enough talk. Bam. It's great. So that was very decisive of her. And then it all turns out well in the end. So here was the cool thing that we were both noticing. Um, the the what, what happens to the men is that they get um, drained of their life force and they look all old and creaky. And then they beam them back up to the Enterprise and they can't do anything to help them. Oh, no, what's going to happen? Are they going to be old and then die? No, because they're going to beam them back down to the planet and then beam them back up again. And the transporter is going to use their old molecular structure to make them young again. And we both went, 
hey, they've done that yeah. in TNG. More than once, I think, actually. Well, they did it at least once, and then I used it for a story, yeah. too, because I thought it was a, a cool solution. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that they've done that at least once, if not more than once. Mm -hmm. But I think this is the first time they ever used that trick. I think you're right, because it was never used in TOS. Nope. There was no Star Trek between TOS and TNG except yeah. TAS, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, that's one of those things, though, that once you do it, like you've got Khan's magical blood that brings the dead back. Right. Doesn't it pretty much solve every problem? It kind of does, you know. Why can't you take every dead crewman's body, beam it out, and beam it back in in his pattern from the last time you beamed him in? Exactly. It should be the solution to all problems. Mm -hmm. The transporter is just far more magical than we ever thought it was. Yes, yes. So, I don't know. Um, but it was kind of the only solution that they could have at the end of mm -hmm. this, right? To make them young again. Yeah. Um, I think they should have just left her in charge more often because it mm -hmm. seemed like she got things done pretty darn quick. She did. She was very efficient. No nonsense. Yep. None at all. And the, the great thing is that uh, when she realized all the men are incapacitated, she just took over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, none of... You know, none of this agonizing over it, and she recorded it in the log, said she yep. takes full responsibility, yep. and just move forward on solutions. Yep, it was great. I, mm -hmm. And you might have missed a part when you were walking into the kitchen, but when she came back um, and and said, uh, you know, tell us where the rest of the men are to the, the head woman who was mm -hmm. in charge, and she didn't answer her, the woman was leaning sort of on an urn, and mm -hmm. Uhura shot it, yeah. and she like exploded <laughs> into a million pieces, like, oh, okay, you're next. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yep, whoa, so that, whoa, that was pretty fun, and you know, nice to see Uhura get yeah. her, her time in the spotlight, and the great thing was, after they beamed them back, you'd think they would just know by the way they felt that they were now okay, mm -hmm. but Kirk said, did it work? And she goes, you're as handsome as ever. Oh, man, yeah, it must have been so much fun for Nichelle to say that to yes. Belle, I'm sure. And the, uh, the only really gaggy part in it was when Spock had like a <laughs> psychic link with Christine, yeah. and oh. That's icky. Icky, Very yeah, icky. and he kept calling her Christine, Christine yeah. which we know he only does when he's under the influence of psycho drugs and things. <laughs> you know, you're so stoned that even Christine looks oh, attractive. Oh, God. All right, so that was that. So that was a good episode, and um, I'm enjoying watching these animated shows, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to watch them and review them. So then we watched something else that we have to talk about. Again, as we said previously, so you don't have to. Right, right. So let me read this. This is from the wonderful DVD set that was uh, given to me by, by uh, Kitty. And it's called um, Outlaws. And the name of the episode was Starfall Part 1 and 2. So Outlaws was a Western show that was on in the early 60s. And Bill was the guest star. So this was broadcast November 24th, 1960. Oops this time of the month. Yeah. Based on a novel by John Cunningham, who also wrote High Noon. This epic two-parter really? yeah, oh, stars that? Shatner as a conflicted king of thieves, dealing with issues of amnesty, codes of honor, and racism. The incredible cast includes Cloris Leachman, Jack Warden, Paul Richards, Victor Buono, and Edgar Buchanan. This lost series was uniquely framed from the point of view of the outlaws themselves. So this is the first time, apparently, it says DVD premiere that this has actually been on DVD. Uh -huh. So I guess somebody must have found these episodes in a closet somewhere right. and decided they were worth putting out. So those two episodes together, parts one and two, were 95 minutes, and that was a long 95 mm -hmm. minutes. Yes. Um, and really, we watched the first part, and I honestly was not sure we could go on and watch the second part. <laughs> 
because it was so much talk and blah and blah. But Bill looked so incredibly young, mm -hmm. like 15 years old maybe. Yeah. And he was the head of the outlaws, and he was, you know, much younger than, than any of them. And, um, it, I mean, obviously we know he looks so gorgeous in TOS, but there is something about filming in black and white mm. that just does such amazing things with... His cheekbones. With cheekbones. And, and I've noticed it in other actors that in black and white, mm -hmm. it's, it's something about, you know, if it's lit well and everything, mm -hmm. it is so kind to you, you know, just really enhances. Yep. Also, his jawline looked really good. Oh, yes. yes. Really, really good. Yes. Uh, too bad he had a bad toupee. Oh, yeah. It was an Eddie Munster type toupee. Yes. Too dark. Way too dark. Luckily, and this is a strange thing for me to be saying, but luckily most of the time he wore a hat. Mm -hmm. And you know I'm very much anti-Bill in hats. But this one actually looked pretty good. Yep. And it certainly looked better than when he had it off and had the toupee. Yep, yep. But um, the basic story was Bill is with the, these outlaws. There's like four of them, yeah. including Bill, I think, mm -hmm. right? And they're out in the desert mm -hmm. or out in the Great West, mm -hmm. you know, and having a shootout with some Mexican bandits who are dressed as a mariachi band. They were, yeah. Very formal mariachi band. Yeah, and then I can't remember what happened with them. But um, anyway, they, they later laying around the campfire found a newspaper or something that said in whatever city it was mm -hmm. that was nearby, there had been declared an amnesty for mm -hmm. all the guys who had fought in the range war between ranchers and, I don't know, whoever. And, uh, and that if they came into town by noon on Sunday and signed the amnesty and agreed to be good citizens, you know, their record would be wiped clean. Mm -hmm. Well, they had fought in the range war, and that's what made them into thieves, because they were on the losing side. So they plunk, plunk, plunk into town, lots of coconuts going, <laughs> and uh, and get the details and, and think about if they're going to uh, sign the amnesty. And Kirk, <laughs> Bill, runs into Pippa Scott, who is the woman he has loved. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she, her wig's worse than his. Definitely. And she also had such a stilted manner of speaking. Oh, God, it was yes. very much, the rain in Spain. Yes. On the but plane. you are a thief. Um, and so they're, they're getting together. And it turns out the evil guy is a guy named Fisher, who mm -hmm. was uh, the head of the people who won the range mm -hmm. war, played by Larry Tate. <laughs> And it's really, really hard not to think of him as Mr. Tate. It's oh. impossible. So as we were going through it, I was mentally going, oh, look at what Mr. Tate is doing now. Yes, <laughs> yes. So the other three guys, there's Jack Ward, and there's a Mexican named Pepe, and one other guy. They all signed the amnesty. Mm -hmm. And in the shootout at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> Jack Ward, Ward got his front teeth blown out. Mm -hmm. He's got a plate. Yep. And so he goes to the dentist and wants to get a new plate. And uh, it's going to take, I don't know, all night or something. Anyway, it's, it's very, very convoluted. Mm -hmm. But what Larry Tate wants is to, um, is to trap all of them, mm -hmm. Bill and his men, uh, into, after they've signed the amnesty, force them into doing something bad right. Cause or he's, fake it. Because he's a very vindictive and evil man. Oh, he is petty times petty. He's Mr. Potter, basically. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then he wants, you know, to kill them. Well, so that's like the end of part one. Mm -hmm. 
part two starts and we're like, oh God, please, <laughs> please let something happen. Well, yeah, right off the most interesting thing happens is uh, Bill and Pepe have this incredibly <laughs> homoerotic <laughs> scene in a barn really? where this horse is in the background going, hey boys, get a room. <laughs> It was. It wasn't even subtext. It was just text. It was, you know, Pepe going. They will never forgive me. I will ride into the mountains and I will wait there till Sunday by the lake of the Twin <laughs> Peaks, and you can join me, my friend. Mm-hmm. And and Bill's going. No, I won't let you go. And he's going. You must stay here with the woman. You love her. I can see it. And no, no, you mustn't go. And then finally, you know, he he's about to leave, and Bill says something rather innocuous, mm-hmm. and Pepe goes. I love you too, hombre. <laughs> We're going, okay, part two was worth, you know, sticking it was. with us. It was so funny. And, and Bill was totally acting like this guy was, was his sig other. Oh, just, yes. Just like, you know, getting all nervous and twitchy and um, not being able to look him in the eye and everything. Right. It was so funny. So the other guys get jobs and Larry Tate sets him up to, you know, rob his bank, even though there's nothing there. And so he can get them all hung. And basically, uh, Jack Ward and the other guy get... Um, blowed up. Get blowed up. Really? They, they fire a cannonball yeah. at the house they're in, and the whole thing blows well, up. So we weren't really sure how that happened, because generally <laughs> cannonballs don't explode. Right. right. So it they're would have, just big iron balls. balls. It would have punched a hole in it, but that's pretty yeah, much so it. Yeah, so they're all dead. Who knows? And uh, so Larry Tate and his friends all decide they're going after Pepe because now they're saying Pepe stole something. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it was. Money and Bill issue. has to go with them or else they will, you know, he won't be a reformed outlaw. Mm-hmm. And the thing he signed said, you know, he had to help uphold justice. Yep. And so he goes up there and talks him into letting him go speak to Pepe to tell Pepe to run, you know. And then Pepe knocks Bill out, mm-hmm. ties him up, and shoots him in the leg. And shoots him in the leg, <laughs> saying, now they will think you tried to stop me, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And then Larry Tate's right there, hiding behind a rock, and he shoots Pepe, and he tries to shoot Bill, and then the good marshal shoots Larry Tate. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. So Bill goes back into town, apparently, to marry Pippa Scott. Mm-hmm. But um, to cover Cloris Leachman's role in this, the first shot we get is of her having her toes mm-hmm. sucked. Yes. By... Uh, I don't know who, but she's in love with Jack Ward. Warden. Warden? Okay. And uh, they're going to get married. She's a dance hall girl, Mm -hmm. of course. But it was just cracking me up because of Bill talking about her beautiful feet. feet. Yes. So they were in something together, as we had suspected they were. And apparently Bill didn't remember it. Who knows if she remembered that this is specifically what they had been in together. Yes. Um, But they didn't really interact so no. they were probably... I don't know that they even had a scene together. I don't think they had a scene together. Yeah. No, no, they did have one scene together. Wasn't it when um, they were all in her house and Bill came in to tell them that they were going to get trapped for rustling cattle? Remember? Oh, yeah. So yeah. they were briefly in a scene together, okay. but they yeah. didn't really interact. Um, so, yeah, and, and you know, there was a, an interesting other part to her character, which is that... You know, they want to get married, and she says something like, you know, somebody told me that a girl like me can't ever get married. You know, kind of implying, you know, you're a prostitute, so no one's ever going to want to marry you. Right. And so, but of course he dies. Yes. <laughs> so, so there goes her okay. hopes and dreams. Right. Oh, well, that's too bad. Um, the, the, the thing 
one of the things that was so annoying about this was the talky 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 mm-hmm. part, especially of part one. But that they also this judge who was Pippa Scott's father, who apparently disapproved of Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, kept talking about, um, you've always run away from everything. Mm-hmm. You can't stick to anything. You've never grown up. And Pepe says all this stuff about, I found you dying and I took you in mm-hmm. to help you grow up, mm-hmm. you know, and everything like this. And you you don't see any evidence of that. You just hear people talking about it mm-hmm. a lot. And finally, because Bill has been shot in the leg, he has to stay yeah. and, you know, and grow up. And it's like, what? Yep, and and plus it really doesn't help that he looks 15. Right. He just doesn't look like he could be the leader, like the king of thieves. Right, and it doesn't, I think it goes against that argument that he is so loyal to his friends. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, Larry Tate slaps Jack Warden mm-hmm. and Bill beats the crap out of him. Yep. So he's a very admirable character, so yeah. I don't know where all that other junk is coming from. I don't from. know. It was very confused. Mm-hmm. It was confusing, and it was confused at the same time. <laughs> and also, the sound was poor. Yeah. So at one point, Pepe had this speech that neither of us understood <laughs> about, when you die, you die, but when I die, I live. I'm a man with a gun, and I live. And we're going, what, what, what? And later, when Bill quoted it, he said, a man with, with a, a god. god. Yeah. And we're going, oh. <laughs> Because not too heavy on the symbolism, when Pepe dies, a star falls. Yes. Like, oh, look, there he goes, shooting through the heavens. That yep. must be him on that little fall. Bye, star. Pepe. <sighs> so that's what passed for drama. Two parts. They made that into two parts. Mm-hmm. So I was just um, Googling this series, The Outlaw, and uh, it was on NBC, and it was on for quite a while, 51-hour episodes. Really? And the second series was in color. Um and the dog who appeared in Walt Disney's Old Yeller was also cast in The Outlaws. Just a piece of trivia for you I'm glad that dog there. got more work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was on for a while. They filmed it in Bronson Canyon, of course, in mm-hmm. Griffith Park. And lots of people guest starred on it. It was one of those series that everybody did a little part on. Mm-hmm. And, and that uh, the guy who was the head of the miners mm-hmm. in uh, the... Oh, yeah. episode yes. was also in this. He was in this. And that's one of the fun games to play when you watch these old things is to find all the Star Trek alumni who worked together prior to Star Trek. Yep, and um, Pippa Scott's father, Colonel Pringle. <laughs> <laughs> he even named, had a mustache. He did, made us crack up every single time they said his name. Ha <laughs> ha, Colonel Pringle. Well, it's like in that um, <laughs> uh, Rodney Dangerfield movie, Back to School. Yes. And he's always talking to, thank you, Dean Martin. And... <laughs> Just the way he does it, I will laugh every time. It's yep. such a stupid old joke. It's so funny. Um, so he, Colonel Pringle was played by uh, John Hoyt, who was the original doctor in the, the pilot. Yes. So, yes. And, and he was also in many good science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. So I kept looking at him like, who is that guy? And then they showed Dr. his name. Dr. Piper. Again. That's him. It's Dr. Piper. Um, so, and uh, Victor Bono was funny mm-hmm. in his little role. Very small role. Yep. But what a weird series. And we were pointing out, you know, it's supposed to be this little town in the middle of Oklahoma or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, man, there was a lot of traffic for a little western town with people coming and going and horses and this and that. Mm -hmm. Man, just a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to point out one thing. During the the Bill and Pepe big farewell scene, Mm -hmm. Bill was hugging a a, a vertical (laughs) beam the entire time. He was. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, and they also had a lot of very cheeky horses mm-hmm. who were always trying to steal the scene. They were always, you know, am I in the tape? Am I in the light? Yeah. <laughs> that was move, very let funny. Let me move over a little. Hey, I can see Hello. the camera. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you work with horses. They're yep. just going to do whatever they want to. Well, they're horses, you know. Uh-huh. So there you go, friends. That's the outlaws. Yes. Or just outlaws. Sorry, there's no the in front of it. Oh, I need okay. That just part outlaws. Out. Outlaws, yeah. So what I'm wondering is, um, was the good marshal like a recurring character? Yes. Oh, okay, it's, because I kind of got that feeling. Yeah, so the the three recurring characters, we saw the three of them together in that first bit very, mm-hmm. very briefly, and then each of them would go out and do things and interact with all the guest stars. Okay. But yeah, those were the good guys. All righty. The marshals, yeah. Well, that you know, that was interesting. It's always good to... Um, to watch Bill's uh, work, we, uh, let's see, we did not get a shoulder roll. Nope. And we did not get a Shatner swallow. Almost. He, Almost. He held a drink up to his mouth and considered it. Yes. But he didn't but actually they cut away. drink. Um, we did get a delicious butt shot. And we tweeted that butt yes. shot, so um, please look on our Twitter stream at my, my name, Lena Taylor, and you will see his butt. There was lots of butt cleavage happening there. Mm-hmm. Because there. he was emoting. He was emoting, and he was... Facing a mantelpiece, and he was sort of bent a little bit, and yeah, mm-hmm. you could yeah. see it. So that was good, and you know, tight, tight pants, yeah, and those were good. all the things we like about the 60s. And he got to fight, you know, he, oh, got yeah. to throw some good punches, although he didn't do any of the classic Kirk moves. No, no, he didn't do those, but he had, he did a finger point. Oh, that's right, he did. Yes, <laughs> and uh, you know, he did some, some fist emoting, fist gesturing, you yeah. know, and, and things like those. Yeah. I thought, you know, he was good, but I thought his performance with the other outlaws was a little stiff. Mm-hmm. For somebody who's supposed to be really good friends with these guys, the way he spoke to them was too mannered, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he wasn't quite comfortable with the lines or, or whatever. I don't and know. His, his, um, his general um, bill energy and dynamic was low yeah and you know usually i mean even in in you know some of these these crazy things we've seen him do in those early ones and stuff you can still see him totally immersing himself in the work mm-hmm. and certainly in a lot of this and especially those early scenes like you say he wasn't exactly phoning it in but it wasn't like uh I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm yeah. going to give my 110%. Yeah, and... it wasn't quite like that. Yeah. Now, was this before or after Alexander the Great? At, before, if it was 1960. Yeah. Because Alexander the Great was only filmed, like, I think, two years or so before Star Trek. Okay. All right. You're right about that. So I'm, I'm trying to place this... In the context of other stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so this must have been pre-Twilight Zone also. Probably. And maybe even pre some of those like um, For the People and things like that. Yeah. Um, it probably sort of concurrent with like some of his appearances like um, Hitchcock and Dr. Kildare, do you think? Or did those even come later? The I Nurses and... Uh, uh, I'm just wondering, you know, if part of his um, 
performance was just that he wasn't quite as comfortable in front of the camera as he got to be later on. Well, and if it's 1960, I mean, we, we have seen work of his earlier than that. Yeah. But I think it was in, you know, 60, up until Star Trek, where he was working so steadily as a guest star. Mm-hmm. And this might have been, you know, maybe he was still a little new to the the um, Hollywood television yeah. Crown. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so I'm now I'm looking at his IMDb. You're thing. so good. Well, you know, I want to get these things. So he had been doing um, things like he was in Brothers Karamazov, mm-hmm. Studio One, Omnibus, a lot of these things that we've already mm-hmm. seen. The Man Who Didn't Fly, um, and Alfred Hitchcock Presents, and then there was Outlaws, and then there was Thriller. Which we saw. Okay. Naked City. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctors. So that came after. That was 63. Okay. Twilight Zone was 63. Um, Arrest and Trial was 64. Outer Limits was 64. Defenders was 65. For the People was 65. So, yeah, this was just pre a lot of his more regular episodic mm-hmm. work. So maybe that was it. He just yeah. wasn't as into it as he was mm-hmm. later on. Still a good performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually thought Jack Warden was really good. Mm-hmm. You know, with the role that he had to play. And yeah. As a sort of slightly stupid guy whose life is going... <laughs> no, really. Stupid. Well, yes. you know, his life's going nowhere, and he's sort of got this... Like, he's been an outlaw, and he doesn't know how to do anything else, and he yeah. doesn't want to do yeah. anything else. And, you know, then they die. Yep. That's how it was in the old West. That's right. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. And to die at uh, the hands of Larry Tate. I oh, mean, that, man. That borders on tragic. It's insult to injury. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Okay. And then we can come back and um, do some news. <gasps> yes. We have news. Okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us, listeners. We love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And don't forget our Facebook page. This podcast produced on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. All right, news from around his butt. <laughs> we haven't actually done one called that for a while. For so several that's, years, that's I think. Yeah. But there has been some fun news. Um, and one of the primary things you may have heard, but maybe not, that's why you come to us, is Bill recently was given an, uh, an award as a Stratford mm-hmm. alumnus. Yep. And so he went to Stratford, and there was a, a dinner and a ceremony and everything. So there was a lot of talk about that. And there was a wonderful article in the Globe and Mail on Friday, October 25th. I'm going to end up reading most of this. Go ahead. Because it's such a great article. How Shatner Became Shatner. We were going back to William Shatner's 20s and the early days of his stage career at the Stratford Festival. But somehow we got sucked back further all the way to his primary school days in Montreal. (laughs) Now, Shatner's back playing Conkers with horse chestnuts, shooting BB guns, and running with the Marcel Avenue gang with Peanuts, Guy, and, of course, Betty. 
Of course. This is the news we've been waiting for. Of course. Betty was my entree into sexuality. Oh. Not necessarily sex, but being aware of a voluptuous girl, says the 82-year-old actor in that halting, awestruck tone, as if testifying to a miracle. <laughs> we used to play tackle football, and if you tackle Betty, it could change your life. Uh, I can skip the next paragraph. Oh, um, and then they go on to talk about his album, uh, produced by the members of the progressive rock band Yes, Pondered Mystery features Shatner, marveling at the long, strange life he's lived in a rococo recitative intoned over noodling guitar lines. Sample song titles, Where It's Gone, I Don't Know, Change, Sunset, and Where Does Time Go? So it's not just the Stratford Award. For the three seasons he acted as part of the company in the 1950s, that has him pondering how exactly William Shatner of Montreal ended up as William Shatner, the Emmy-winning actor, pop culture icon, the man who helped usher in the era of meta-celebrity. And this is interesting what they start telling us about the Stratford Festival now, so I do want to read it. Back then, Shatner wasn't yet Shatner, just as Stratford certainly wasn't yet Stratford. In 1953, he turned down an offer to be in the legendary first season of the Ontario Theatre Company starring Alec Guinness as Richard III because he had work lined up elsewhere. In the summer, the young McGill Business School graduate would act in light comedies at the Mountain Playhouse at the top of Mount Royal in his hometown. In the, wi in the winter, he'd go to Ottawa and do the heavier stuff at the Canadian Repertory Theatre. He didn't want to jeopardize that. At that time, it was the birth of professional theater in Canada as we know it. Stratford wasn't an institution, it was a risk, and anybody's guess what would survive. This helps explain the tone of astonishment that Shatner adopts when he talks about the festival. Unlike previous Legacy Award recipients Christopher Plummer and Maggie Smith, Shatner was never a star there. The most famous anecdote from his tenure was when he went on as understudy to Christopher Plummer. Really? Did that happen? That happened. I never heard that before. Me neither. As Henry V, the future Oscar winner, was in the hospital on morphine, having a kidney stone out. Without ever, and, okay, blah, 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 blah. But mostly, Shatner was a middle-of-the-pack player, earning about $50 a week, tackling hard-to-place characters with Italian names like Graziano and Lucentio. <laughs> I lived in a tiny downstairs room with a horsehair sofa and a very narrow bed, and you had to get out of there to breathe and to study, says Shatner, once he's coaxed off the subject of his Montreal childhood. <laughs> I wonder if Betty ever went to Stratford to see me. <laughs> is he going to talk about fruit salad? Because I don't want to hear that no, story again. No, the fruit salad story is not in this article. Okay, good. By 1955, Shatner, who, unlike many fellow company members of the time, didn't drink and avoided women. Oh, no what? way. I don't think that's true. Well, he yeah. had diligently saved up $500, which he planned to use to go to New York, but then came a fateful trip to the local stock exchange with his Merchant of Venice co-star, Lorne Green, whom, he recalls, he followed around like a hound dog. After the older actor suggested putting his money in uranium stock, <laughs> Shatner decided to take the tip. It wasn't a good one, and he quickly lost his life savings. Oh. All I could think of during my Friday night performance and Saturday matinee and Saturday night's performance was, I'm wiped out. My entire savings is gone. I'm back to being poverty-stricken, Shatner recalls. It was then that I made a vow I would never gamble like that again because my performances were affected. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's one possible end to Shatner becoming Shatner. He could have slunk back to Montreal and used his business training to make up the loss. But returning to Stratford in 1956, his dream of going to New York was satisfied when the company's production of Christopher Marlowe's Tamburlaine transferred to Broadway for a limited run. He played a character called Usum Kassain, which is a joy to hear coming out of <laughs> Shatner's mouth. Usum Kassain. Usum Kassain. <laughs> Agents and producers came to see the show, and as Shatner says, to make a long story shorter, I, in effect, stayed in New York and started my career in the United States. And it goes on to a lot of stuff we already um, know about. And then the guy says, as our interview ends, I tell the actor that I wanted to see his one-man show on Broadway, now on Movie Central. In Canada, you can see it on Movie Central. Oh, okay. Um, and was sorry to not make it down. That's the curse of wanting to do something and missing it, Shatner says. You've got to do it. Insert prog rock music here. <laughs> so, many interesting things in there. Yeah. I like that they point out he was never a star at Stratford. Yep, yep. You know, that he was one of their, their supporting people, more yep. than a spear carrier. Yep. He had lines. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that's what he was playing. And that he also had a good gig going, you know, year-round yeah. doing the sort of young ingenue in the comedies mm -hmm. and then the heavier stuff. Um, but I also like finding out about Betty. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, of course he would remember that. Yes. And, and bring that up when they're talking about anything else because he has to insert sex into every conversation. So there it is. But in all the interviews we've seen him read, I've never heard him mention Betty before. No, I haven't either. So. I wonder if she's reading that. I don't know. And sort of is going, Betty still around? Uh -huh. You know, if Betty's her real name. Yeah, yeah. He could be making that up. So um, that's pretty cool. Ah, <laughs> so, so do you want to take this next one? Oh, uh, which one is the next one? The traffic light. Why don't you do the traffic light because you actually were watching the video and I was oh, sort of okay. looking over your shoulder. So uh, this was on TMZ. Yes. And what happened was Bill did a. Uh, at one of his performances, his live performances of Ponder the Mystery, um, somebody was filming or, you know, on their camera or whatever, of him leaving the theater in the car with Liz next to him, and the person in front of him is not turning right. Mm -hmm. On red. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they're sitting, and Bill honks, and then he um, goes, come on. And, you know, yeah. they're, they're taping all this, and... Uh, and, and he, he's yelling, come on, come on. And the woman ahead of him yells back at him, it's no right on red. There's a sign that mm -hmm. says no right on red. And Bill's going, oh, fuck that, motherfucker. You know, and everything just said, swearing a blue streak. And um, pedestrians now are yelling, it's no right on red. And then finally, as he pulls away, he doesn't have the lights on his car on. And somebody yells, turn your lights on. <laughs> That's great. It's I love a, that. It's a fun little video. It's probably less than a, a minute. Uh -huh. But, you know, I love that, okay, Bill is now so comfortable with his stature as 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 Bill, mm -hmm. you know, his personality. He's obviously very aware that he's being filmed, and he doesn't care. He's going to go, fuck you, Mom, uh -huh. go! <laughs> it's great, because he knows it's going to end up on TMZ. Right, or something. Say, or something, yeah. yes. And Liz is sitting in the car going, oh. Will you stop it? 
Oh, that was really funny. Yes. That was really funny. So yes, everybody should go watch that because it's, it's quite, quite amusing. It is. It's fun. And it's titled, William Shatner Gets Fired Up at a Traffic Light. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. That was great. All right, I want to do the next one. Oh, okay. Um, so this one was uh, about meeting William Shatner at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was there and he was doing his signing thing. So this is a, a blog by a guy who's a comic book fan and... He writes, he blogs about a lot of different things. So he did a rather long post about going to New York Comic Con mm-hmm. and meeting various people and stuff. But um, he wrote about meeting Bill, and I wanted to read it because it's quite funny. It it's, is. It's not that long. So he says, um, I, I spent time in the autographing area. People were lining up to get um, autographs from Stan Lee, Hulk Hogan, and of course the Green Power Ranger. Um, I may not have gotten the chance to meet the creative team behind Batman, but for a small fee, I had the pleasure of spending a sublime five seconds in the presence of William Shatner. In the weeks leading up to Comic-Con, I had known Sir William of Shatner would be at the convention, but had operated under the assumption that he would be swarmed with fans and I would never get within 100 yards of the man-myth legend, which I was okay with because I also operated under the assumption that I would be meeting Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, two other folks he, he wanted to see. What a wacky world we live in. As I stood in line, inching steadily closer to the captain of captains, I thought, I thought, through, the coming experience, I thought through the coming experience over and over. So in his head, this is his little yes, fantasy. Yes, I love this. Mr. Shatner, I would say with utmost reverence, I know you're from Canada, but you're a national treasure. Thank you, son, he'd chuckle, shaking my hand. Sir, I'm but a lowly 23-year-old trying to find his footing in adulthood while simultaneously clinging to my youthful dreams. But it can be hard. I get tired. I lose motivation. I lose sight of my real goals. Mr. Shatner, do you have any advice? At this, a twinkle would come over Shatner's wise eyes, a knowing smirk across his gentle lips. He puts his arm around me and pulls me in close, his mouth mere molecules from my ears as he whispers two words, boldly go. I look the man in the eye and nod. He shakes my hand once more, The time, this time slipping me a signed 8 by 10 It reads... Here we go again, old friend, your captain, Bill. So this is what really happened. Yeah. (laughs) I approached William Shatner, handing the $5 photograph I'd bought at the beginning of the line to a middleman who then handed it to Shatner. How are you, I asked. Good, and you, he replied, quickly signing the photo. Good, thanks. My dad and I have gotten a lot of entertainment out of your work. Good, I'm glad you're here. He nodded and offered a quick smile, handing me my photograph, and I was ushered on my way. (laughs) I took one last glance at the legend and the surreal factory line I had just been churned out of, then looked at the 8x10 in my hand, inscribed now with a message from my captain, Bill. And what he writes is, W and then chicken scratch. (laughs) It was awesome. I waited in line for perhaps 25 minutes to meet William Shatner. Other lines were not as surmountable. So that's his experience of meeting Bill. It's like everybody else's experience of meeting Bill. Well, I absolutely adore his fantasy, the detail of the conversation. Yes. Because it reminds me so much of uh, some of the, the fantasy sequences in Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. Where the kid oh, yeah. wants the BB gun and he's got this fantasy about he'll save the, the family. family from the raccoons. He'll write this essay that's so incredible that yeah. his you know, teacher goes nuts right. over it and everything. And that's just like, it's you great. know, we're, we're all... You know, have the the same sort of fantasies sure. about meeting Bill. It's delightful. Oh, it's great. 
<sighs> so he got to meet Bill for five seconds mm -hmm. and got an autographed picture. Okay, I want to skip ahead a little be and do this this very silly one. Okay, good. That we called Clueless About Height. <laughs> yes, please. I do like this. You know, you can post questions and, and anywhere and people will answer them. And on the Experience Project, someone had asked, is William Shatner shorter than he used to be? And you can answer. And then there was a best answer, which had nothing to do with being short. But it's the answer I love. He's at the age where he probably has shrunk a little. Also, the average height has gone up since Shatner was born. <laughs> what a strange, strange thing to say. I know. Like, <laughs> it's just wrong in so many ways. And it's also, you know, it's like pointing out, well, he's taller than when he was born. <laughs> But the average height has gone up, but that does not make your height measurement less. No, it's just a fact. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not even true. Who knows? <laughs> so why bring it up now? <laughs> no, it's just so idiotic. So very strange. Um, I want to also point out that underneath this, there are a number of other questions related to William Shatner. So I clicked through on the one that says, is William Shatner the greatest actor ever? Oh, okay. And my favorite answer, which was the best answer chosen by voting was, you're goddamn right he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Bill would think that was the best answer, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. That is the best answer. Totally. And I, I vote for that, even though I can't vote on this site. So yes. There you go. <laughs> You're goddamn right he is. He's a goddamn captain. That's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, now, last night, um, when we were looking around, we were trying to find some reviews of his <laughs> show. And for some reason, my Google Foo was not working at all, and I couldn't find any reviews of his show. But you found some reviews of his show. Well, I found at least one. Okay. Um. And it was from the OC Register, which is the Orange, Orange County, County. Yep. Register, where he did his show, and I'm waiting for it to come up. Okay. La, la, la. Here we go. The headline is, William Shatner riveting. Riveting. At rare gig in Capo. Backed by a primo prog rock outfit featuring former members of Yes, the live version of his latest opus, Ponder the Mystery, held a capacity crowd wrapped at the coach house. Uh, let's see. Friday night, the Emmy winner made the final stop of a short trek promoting his recently released fourth album, Ponder the Mystery, bringing his latest musical venture to the Coach House for a rare club experience as unique and entertaining mm -hmm. as its charismatic captain. A capacity crowd filled the San Juan Capistrano venue early and was rewarded with an engaged Shatner supported by celebrated progressive rock band Circa. Featuring two former members of Yes, guitarist Billy Sherwood and keyboardist Tony Kay, plus bassist Ricky Tierney and drummer Scott Connor. Blah, 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 blah. Although seated you, and using a workbook to guide him through lines and cues, Shatner's exaggerated spoken word style, which has been lampooned over the years as much as praised, gained, gaining considerable credibility with 2004's Ben Folds collaboration, has been. Here blended with dazzling near-symphonic compositions penned by Sherwood, who also produced the new disc. 
As Priceline's pitchman noted mm-hmm. early in the night, his current creation is about a guy who regains his joy of life over the course of an hour while sitting on the beach at sunset. That sounds like a fairly simple concept, yet it provided room for lengthy essaying in verses dealing with loss, the beauty and mystery of nature, mortality, and personal redemption. From the opening lyrics, where it's gone, I don't know, I'm missing something, give it back. His protagonist grappling with the realization of a life gone wrong to the final mystery track, The More Hopeful Alive, there were countless moments for Captain James T. Kirk (laughs) to employ his distinctive baritone while the band provided tuneful elements. Sherwood often added his strong tenor voice to choruses or played with artful electric guitar solos that lighted the way for Shatner's lyrical trajectory. Manhunt was one of several songs that fused melodic rock reminiscent of Asia with sharply imagistic storytelling. It certainly heightened the atmosphere that the audience, while cheering mightily after each selection, was otherwise quiet and tuned in during the songs themselves. The title piece benefited from rich harmonies by Sherwood and Tierney, as well as some of the headliner's most dramatic poetry, his evocative lines placed amid circus fills and counterpoint vocals. Even more beautiful was Sunset, treated to a jazz-tinged backdrop and Kay's textured orchestrations. In all, it was a most unusual yet rewarding encounter, a contemplative piece of prog rock theater that proves Shatner continues to go <laughs> where no man has gone before. Oh, they had to work that they in there, had didn't to. they? Mm. But, you know, it's not just that it's a positive review. It is a thoughtful, detailed yeah. review talking about, you know, what, what made it interesting, what mm-hmm. was working, what was going on. Um, so he played the whole thing all the way through. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's all that he played, right? It doesn't seem like there were any of the Ben Fold stuff included. No, there. I think it was it was just this uh, album. Okay, interesting. Well, they seemed impressed by it, so mm-hmm. that's good, I guess. <laughs> um, I did not get. Well, we haven't read any of the reviews of the actual album. No. But the the thing that the reviewer mentioned that this was like a man getting back his zest for living throughout the course of the album. Like, I didn't know that that was supposed to be the concept for the album. Well, maybe it becomes clear just when you actually listen to the album. Oh, well, that's probably true. Okay. But I figured Mm. they would have said that in the promotional materials, Well, maybe not. something. I don't know. Now, while on the subject of Bill touring, Bill has two tour dates Mm -hmm. for 2014. One is at January, or is on January 16th at the Lyle B. Clay Concert Theater in Morgantown, West Virginia. (laughs) Which is a hell of a place to be doing it. And on January 20th at the Smith Center, Las Vegas. And I'm looking, I'm going to click through and look at the Vegas one. Come on, come on, because I want to see what the price is. I'm sure it's a lot, right? It's $220. (gasps) Holy crap, that's a lot of money. Now, here is the thing. We're going to do this right this minute. Demand a William Shatner concert in your city. Yes, please. Zero people have demanded a William Shatner concert. Well, zero people. That's that's ridiculous. That's not right. My city is Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Oh, but it's one of these things where you have to sign in with Facebook and it gets your oh, friend list and all that. Now I'm no, not going to do no, it no, because no. Uh, if they had let me sign in and you know make up something about who I am, I would. But now I won't. Won't. So that's probably why zero people have done it because mm-hmm. we don't feel like doing all that that um, Facebook sharing crap. Yep. But you know, if he does come to Chicago, 
maybe he'll be at Davenport's. <laughs> and no matter where you sit in Davenport's, I don't think you're ever more than 20 feet from the stage. That <laughs> would be totally awesome. That would be fantastic. That would be great. But so if you live in Morgantown... <laughs> Yeah. Or Las Vegas, Virginia. you've got some important homework in January. Yep. Oh, my goodness. So what are you looking at over there? Well, I uh, so um, I think we're done with the newsy stuff that we wanted to yes. talk about. So that's good. Yes. So this was something that um, you had sent me a note about a while ago, and this was... Um, Shocking Secrets of the Stars. Oh, yes. So this is like, what is this? Like a People magazine kind of thing? Well, um, that was sent to me by someone who described it as Tiger Beat for Trekkies. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a magazine that someone scanned in, and it's got, um, let's see, I'm sorry, I just need to go to the front page of it. It's the Globe, okay? okay. Whatever. Um, Globe Collector's Issue, Shocking Secrets of America's Favorite TV Shows of the 50s and 60s. Who hated who? Who betted who? Who was in the closet? Plus, divorces, drugs, suicide, and murder. All of my favorite things. All of your favorite things all together. And there's Star Trek right on the front cover. Mm -hmm. There's Bill sitting in his captain's chair. The tummy roll picture. Pretty happy with himself. Yes. So, um... I looked through this, and I didn't spend enough time looking through the other ones. No. And a lot of the gossip that was in here, I kind of knew already. Right. Um, so the Star Trek stuff, I think, is everything that we already knew. There was one thing in there that I didn't know, but now I can't remember what it was. Well, let's just look through it, and okay. we can see. Okay. So there's the usual stuff about... Oh, I remember what it was. Okay. I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So they talk about Leonard Nimoy having a drinking problem, mm -hmm. which we know. I mean, he's talked about that publicly. Um Talked about George Takei coming out as gay. Like, who doesn't know that now? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Takei didn't hide his intense dislike for Shatner, who was also detested by Walter uh, Koenig and uh, James Doohan and Nichelle Nichols. Um, and this is great. I love the way they write this in this hyperbolic language. And their phasers weren't set on stun when they blasted him in public, bitterly calling him a hack, a ham, and the most selfish actor in the universe. Shatner's co-stars insisted, insisted he torpedoed their chances to win other work by stealing scenes to keep the spotlight on himself. In his memoir, Shatner Rules, the space captain coldly responded, saying, The people who are paid less based on billing get less attention. Which is pretty much That's the like truth. That's true, you know. <laughs> and the Starship Enterprise's captain basked in adoration, especially from his fans. The actor, who later played TV's T.J. Hooker, admitted betting pretty starstruck star Trekkies was a favorite pastime. So that was interesting. I, mm. Like, did he really say that? That he slept with a lot of fans? Well, at one point, I remember Howard Stern asked him, Do you, have you slept with the fans? And Bill said, no, no, not with the fans. And then he goes, they talk too much. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, it was always my impression that he slept with his co-stars, like yes. the women who were on the mm -hmm. show, and not like he had enough of that to keep him busy. So he didn't really need. Well, to Well, once he wasn't them. working on a steady weekly series, I think he probably did take advantage of the fan adoration yeah. availability thing. That's true. Um, okay, it's hard to imagine him not. Uh, yes. Um, so then they talk about how the cops suspected him when his wife Noreen fell into the pool and mm -hmm. died. So you know. Um, Let's see. In his book, Star Trek Memory, Shatner reveals that Nichelle Nichols had an affair with the series' married creator, Gene Roddenberry, even though he promised his castmate he'd keep it secret. 
Soon word got around that Roddenberry, after splitting with his wife, wanted Nichols to join him in a three-way. That was the part I didn't know before. Yeah, me neither, with another one of his party pals, Major Barrett. Michelle refused. Roddenberry ultimately married Barrett. So, yeah, that's pretty Mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, Let's see. Quote, if anyone were to talk about my time with Jean, I should be the one, not Shatner. Unquote. Michelle um, fumed after she was betrayed by her on-aired captain. Um... Nope, that's about it. Yep. Nothing else in there. I didn't know about, I'm not surprised, you know, about Roddenberry wanting a a three-way. Yeah, that's interesting. And so everything else in here is kind of sourced either to people's biographies or autobiographies. That's the one thing that's not. Yeah. It just says, word got around. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Like, who did they talk to who actually clued them into that piece Uh of information? I don't know. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much the only thing. There's a really bad picture of Bill with Noreen <gasps> oh, here. Yeah. It's awful. He just looks bad, and it's a bad toupee. Mm-hmm. And just bad. Generally yeah. bad. Yeah, generally bad. Very, the whole thing just looks very unnatural. Yeah. And, yeah. Not, not, yeah, not a good picture. Mm-hmm. So I just thought we should mention that. Um, yes. I guess... I don't know where you can get this magazine. Maybe it's not on sale anymore? Not on sale anymore. Um, it, the person who sent it to me said that, um, oh, it had been everywhere the, the week before when she got it, you know, on mm-hmm. newsstands and in mm-hmm. 7-Eleven and everything else, like all of those things are. And I went looking several places mm-hmm. and couldn't find it okay. at all. So, you know, it was no longer on the newsstands and... Well, if you really want it, there's a PDF floating around on the torrents somewhere mm-hmm. called Shocking Secrets of the Stars 2013 Globe yes. Collector's Issue. And I went through, you know, just for fun and read some of the others about the mm-hmm. TV shows that I watched or, excuse me, <laughs> was interested in. It's been a busy weekend. Um, and there, were, there was nothing that I went like, oh, no, you're kidding. Yeah. You know, so. Yep. So they just assembled it all into one place was basically yeah. it. That's what they did. Yep. Um, let's see. Well, I think that's most of the stuff we were going to talk about. I think that's it. Oh my, that's a lot of stuff. Yep, that's almost an hour's worth of stuff. Okay, that, <laughs> that was enough stuff. It was. So, friends, um, continue, please, to send us things. Oh, wait, wait, we forgot to talk about Kirkfu. That was the one <gasps> other thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, I sent you the picture. Yes, let me open it up. That's our last thing that we okay, have Okay, now, to this talk is about. such a wonderful thing. It was actually sent to us by two people. Yes. It came from uh, Juvmo. Juvmo, yeah. And Jamie Dunst. Yep. And it is a Kirkfu T-shirt by T. Fury. Yes, and it says, Kirkfu, the school of manly fighting. And it's very cute. It's got these very, you know, little um, cartoon figures. So there's Kirk doing the, the two-handed whack to the back, which is called the lumberjack. And he's doing it to a Gorn. To a Gorn. That just looks kind and of... And these are drawings. These are not pictures. No, no. And they are cute. They're very Funny, cute. funny. The Gorn looks kind of bored, but also pissed off at the yes. same time. Um, and then he's doing the, the uh, double jump there, which is called mm-hmm. the jumping gym with okay. his legs kicking. And then there's the angry hug where he <laughs> whacks the two hands on the side of the mm-hmm. neck. Um, then there's the full broadside where he throws his whole body at the Gorn. Yep. <laughs> uh, then we have the chop NATO. So there he is chopping away. And then finally there's the last resort, which is a picture of him with his shirt torn, which I really, really <laughs> like. I know. And he's holding the, the um, 
plastic rock above his head, and he's mm -hmm. got kind of a goofy grin on his face, and the Gorn's looking at him like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> the torn shirt reminds me of when so many of the TOS people guest starred on Futurama. Yes. And he, he's like, oh, I guess it's time. So he rips his shirt yeah. and starts making out with Leela. But it was just like that was like part of his foreplay or his costume for yes. that is, you know, rip the shirt and there you go. That's right, ripping his own shirt. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. So I just had to mention it because I was just about to say to people, keep sending us comments yes. and things. And, of course, someone sent us, two people sent us something, mm -hmm. so we have to mention it. Yes, I think that's very funny. Yes, so we like Kirk figures. And the, the Kirk figures are really funny. And I think the one where he's doing jumping gym, mm -hmm. he looks like a little kid having a tantrum. He does. He it's, really does. It's really cute. <laughs> I like the, the full broadside also. Yes. He's got his arms <laughs> up in the air. The Gorn does not appear to be damaged by any of this Yeah, stuff. the Gorn isn't impressed by these moves. No, not at all. His <laughs> expression doesn't change. It's so funny. All right. This is great. So, yes, please keep sending us stuff because we do love these things. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to us rambling. And until next time, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Live long in Pollock. <laughs> I love saying that. Okay. It's my, one of my favorite things. All righty. Bye-bye.